Hello, and welcome to Rocket's Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Coda.io. I'm Simone de Rochefort, supervising video producer at Polygon, and I'm here with Christina Warren, senior developer advocate at GitHub, and Brianna Wu, executive director of Rebellion Pack. We have a super exciting show for you tonight. Not only are we finally going to hear about uh, our hands-on experiences with the uh, new iPhone, and by our, I mean Breeze and Christina's, because I'm still abstaining. I brought it up with my mom. She said I don't need to buy a new phone. Um, But we also have a very exciting dessert segment tonight. We have Christy Smythe. Christy Smythe of uh, the journalist and the farmer bro story from Elle uh, talking to us. We, of course, covered her story uh, when it initially broke. She was a Bloomberg journalist covering Martin Shkreli's trial, uh, who then fell in love with him and began a relationship uh, causing a scandal across the internet uh, that we covered when it happened. Like I said, we're having her on to talk it over. And she's also going to be joining us for our bonus segment rocket booster uh where we continue our conversation about her writing as well as talk about celebrity pets i hope that that's a delicious teaser for you if you are considering becoming a subscriber to this show which means you get ad-free episodes plus a bonus segment every week and this one went long yeah it really did but that's just you get a lot of uh, you get a lot of value for your money. If you, you really do. To rocket, yeah. Be be a boosty. Get like it's it's more than a second helping of dessert. It's like a yeah. It's it's definitely it's definitely uh, mm-hmm. I think good 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 stuff. It's almost like we're doing two shows now. It kind it's, of it's is. So long. Yeah. I was going to say like well, but which we've which we've had fun with. It's kind of invigorated things. So yeah, if you love rocket so much that like you want even more, be a boosty. Be a boosty today. All right. Well, let's get into the show straight up. So we've uh, we are in our third week now <laughs> of covering the iPhone 14, of which there are seemingly seven thousand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Christina, yes, which one? Did you purchase? Okay, so uh, actually, my family we are now a two iPhone fourteen family. <gasps> although the uh, which which I want to talk about for a second because we don't have Grant's yet; it hasn't come out yet. But um, we were not planning on upgrading him, or by we I mean me, because I it was going to keep my iPhone. I'm keeping my iPhone twelve uh, Pro Max, and I'm going to use it as an overpriced webcam for my sixteen hundred dollar monitor because the studio displays built in <laughs> camera is terrible. Um, but, uh, the deals, I just wanted to do as a quick aside. Uh, I know that you're still not upgrading Simone, but for the listeners out there, I mentioned this on Twitter, but I want to mention this again, the deals for trade-ins going back all the way to like the 10 S and the 10 S max, and even like the 10 R are really good. So depending on your carrier, you could get like $800 trade-in for those phones. That was very tempting to me when I heard it, but I think I, you know, I would still be in that situation where I'd be paying it off. Right. And that's exactly what I want to avoid right now. So that's kind of my reasoning behind not switching. Again, if my phone breaks, maybe I won't be able to get that trade in anymore. Um, But like, I, I, I don't know. Is anyone a mathematician who can tell me if I am making a smart decision here? Well, uh, <laughs> well, here, here, here's what I would say. So it, you're T-Mobile, right? 
Yes. Okay. If you don't anticipate an, in, that you'll be changing carriers in two years, and if your phone plan would not substantially change or it would cost you more money to go into the new plan, I honestly think that it would be worthwhile to take it on. Because if you if you don't anticipate switching to another carrier, and if they're not going to make you switch to a significantly higher price plan, or if your, your plan price won't change at all, like Grant had to switch phone plans, but it wasn't any difference in cost, then... Um, at that point, like, I'm just going to be real with you. I think that financially, alone or not, just because, like, for, for him for to get the 14 um, plus, which is, like, the bigger phone, it'll be out in a couple of weeks, um, he winds up paying nine, $99, uh, which was plus, plus tax. Nuts. And, and then that was financed over, like, a, a two-year period. So it's, like, a dollar something you know, or $3 or something like that, like, 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 you know, $4, whatever it is like a month. Like it's, it's a ridiculously small amount of money. Yeah. Um, and so at that point I kind of feel like it, cause it's no interest. I kind of feel like make the money work for you. But the caveat there is that if you are on a good data plan, like a good rate plan with, with T-Mobile and what they're making you jump to is going to cost you more then don't do it. Um, and if you are also thinking, well, I don't know if I'm going to stay with my carrier, you know, for two years, then don't do it. We're not going to change carriers. I, I'm, I'm aware if I get another phone line yeah. with T-Mobile, I will just get it as a separate line. Um, and, and our phone plan, uh, his, his, uh, uh, price didn't change. So it was worth it for us. But if you are not in that situation, I don't think it's worth it. Otherwise 800 bucks for an old phone is, is kind of unbeatable. Yeah, maybe I'll, I'll crunch the numbers a little more and see like which one theoretically I'd get and then how much that monthly payment actually would be. Um, yeah, because the only reason I say I that is that if you if you trade it in, you get the value for it. Now I know we're not talking about phone reviews. This is like just money talk. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> listeners. But if you but if you crunch Welcome the money, to our financial podcast. I was gonna say, not a financial advisor, but I will say like just doing the math. If um if you're able to get the trade in money for it, if you get the phone now, you can anticipate that. In another two or three years, you'd be able to use the current phone to also use as leverage to trade in in the future too, right? So it's like you're mm-hmm. you're you're continuing to kind of like you know gain to additional invest. value, right? Yeah. So so it, it could work out, but I also totally understand if you don't want to get back on like the the the, the monthly uh, plan. I I want to talk about if it's even worth getting this phone because I think yeah. that's a interesting that's a great question that's a great question yeah yes. no it is so I got I got the iPhone 14 Pro Max uh, in in purple obviously uh, Bree, how many how many megabytes uh, I got the 512 we literally have the same damn phone <laughs> that's so funny is the same that's hilarious because yeah. I've been 256 for probably five years and um I was just I was coming close on like hitting how much space I used and I was just like eh, with the 48 megapixel camera I might you know go beyond so just upgrade myself yeah same um but yeah what a what a what kind of what are your impressions of it so far well it's a big boy it's uh, yeah. it, it's girthy, and uh, that camera sure does protrude, and it's heavy, especially if you compare it to like I was on the twelve. Um, I didn't upgrade last year because I didn't pick mine up in time, and then it was going to be several months before I could get it, and I was like, screw that. Um, so for the first time in maybe ever, I didn't get the new phone. Um, so the, for and I know that the that the four the thirteen was bigger than the twelve, but this is even bigger than the thirteen. So going from the twelve to the fourteen, even with the Pro Max to Pro Max, that I was a little bit shocked. I was like, "Huh, this is this is a chunky phone, right?" Like I, I'm not mad at it, 
but it is chonky. Um, <laughs> you know, like like it's 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 definitely a, a large phone. Um, it's I, it's heavy. Yeah. I don't wear. I don't use mine with the case just because the plastic case, the yeah. official Apple case I got with it, just puts that weight at such a, a heaviness that it hurts my hand to hold for long periods of That's time. Not great. Yeah. And Tina or Christina, you have even I called you Tina because my coworker is Tina. named Christina and goes by <laughs> Tina. That's outlandish of me. That is outlandish. Does of it you. hurt your hands? No, but but I also do agree. Like I typically use mine without a case, and everybody like sees that and freaks out. And I'm like, eh, I have Apple Care. I don't like, care. Whoa, um, so brave. I did order. <laughs> I did order um, the the Apple official like plastic case, and I might put it on it just because I'm like this this camera does protrude a lot, and I kind of don't want like I'm kind of worried about mm. it falling. Yeah, and and, and, and breaking it or something. Yeah, and the I thing worry is, like, every time I put it on something, I'm going to scratch right. that beautiful lens. Exactly, and I'm like, do I want to like deal with like having to pay a hundred bucks or whatever? And at least now, I will say, Apple Care now gives you unlimited replacements, um, whereas before <laughs> it used to only be two. So that's awesome. Um, I mean, you have to pay $100 each time, but, you know, it's a $1,600 phone, so it's all relative. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, I mean, I like it. Um, I think that, that uh, Neelai's, uh review for The Verge was really good. He called it, like, Early Adopter Island. And, mm. uh, and, and he was, I think he mentioned this, maybe, I don't know if it was on this podcast. Um, I, I it, it was on the Verge cast or, or something else where he was like, you know, that like the iPhone 13 is like the fully finished and fully realized product. And that this is like the, the, the first attempt at like what the, what the next thing is. And I think that's accurate, right? Like this is definitely not an S year, but it's also one of those things where I like the dynamic Island a lot. And, and I think the camera is really good and I love the stuff they've done with iOS 16 with the lock screen and whatnot, mm-hmm. but it also definitely in some ways feels unfinished. Um, and, and so if you're getting the pro max or the pro, um, I, I don't know what the regular phone is like. Grant will get his, um, a plus, um, when, when that's released in a couple of weeks, um, I think that those are probably much more similar to, to what we had before um, and definitely more S years. If you're getting this, I think I would compare this most to like when we saw like the iPhone 10, which again was like our first iteration of having face ID and having the notch and having this mm-hmm. different form factor and not really being the realized thing that we, you know, maybe was fully uh, came to fruition last year, but but certainly took a little bit of time to really get there. I think that this is definitely still kind of in those like early stages. So if if, if you're happy with what you've got, it's also not going to be demonstrably faster or or different, even from a twelve. Um, so it's one of those things where you know they, it's getting harder and harder. I think for Apple to make because they're so far ahead of everybody else in in the mobile chip game. Like they're literally so they're. You know, like they've they've laughed the competition at this point. It's it's hard to make, you know, like, oh, my two year old phone is really slow. No, it's not, right? Oh, my camera's <laughs> not good yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah, it is, right? So it's like it, it, finding those justifications is more difficult. Um, so you have like these software things which are cool, but are also, at least from my experience so far, not fully realized. Bree, what what about you? Well, I want to take that one at a time. So I want to go back to Dynamic Island. And just by the way, listeners, sorry, I picked up a a virus. So my voice, um, I've been coughing like absolutely crazy. So I apologize for that. But what I wanted to say is, 
it doesn't feel finished. It doesn't feel like I understand as a piece of UI. Um, yeah, this is a good solution as far as yeah, we're gonna have a front-facing camera and needs a sensor suite for like a, a light detection there. So you need something uh, in the front of your camera and making that dynamic island. I I understand that theoretically, and I I like this idea more than the notch. But in practice, for all the ink that's been spilled about this, all it ends up being is like when listening to an audiobook, mm. it's still, it's just like a little icon on the side with a picture of the front cover and, and, <laughs> and then like a waveform on the other side of my front-facing camera that bounces up and down distractingly. And when I think about Apple design like this is the opposite of it like a superfluous element that's always in my face uh you know youtube the picture in picture is always still constantly over on the side of my phone with the tab right. it's not like i can touch the dynamic island to make it it come up there so for all the ink that's been spilled about this like i'm sold on the overall paradigm but i don't see any solution that it's solving for me currently right. or, or improving upon. Does does that make sense? No, it does. It does. And and I wonder, like, because it's sort of a widget, but it's not a widget, right? Like it, it, it it's like it wants to be a widget, but you only have some limited aspect of things. And when you tap into it, it's not like you really can just kind of you know, uh, kind of, you know, uh, separately kind of control things and then still remain where you are. It's like you tap into it, it's right. going to immediately take you into that app. Um, I, and, and that's, I, I know what they're trying to do and I'm with you. I think I, 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 I don't know if they're there yet and I'm not sure what, what the holdup is. I don't know if, if things will improve when developers adopt it or not, or if Apple can maybe add some functionality, but it, it, it feels like it's so close to being there, but it's not quite there. Yeah. I would like to see it be more of a tray. Like if you tap yeah. it. You know, then um, let's say like things you do a lot, like uh, pair and unpair your AirPods. Yep. Mm -hmm. I would like to see that there. I would like to see my YouTube picture and picture there. Yep. You know, um, but this implementation of it, I just, it, it, it's, it's just like the touch bar, right? Like it's something fancy that doesn't solve a problem. I just think it could solve a problem. So I'm really curious to, like, I, I don't doubt that this is kind of the first iteration of of it and whenever like iOS gets updated again and when developers start really using it in interesting ways it will become maybe what it is meant to be that being said I am also curious to return to this in like two months when you've gotten inured to it mm. and see how you feel about it being distracting just because of our, our our previous experiences or my previous experiences whining about something changing visually and then two months later not being able to remember what the previous iteration looked like. Um, right. And I mean, people said that about the notch as well. Like, it, oh, it's so distracting. It's huge. It's right there in the middle of the screen. Um, and it became invisible to us. This is definitely different because it moves and it animates and you're like supposed to interact with it, unlike the notch. It doesn't really. I don't see it. And I don't think I've ever noticed it animating, to be honest with you. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, to me, it's not distracting, but I do agree. I, th I think that the, the touch bar um, comparison is really apt because... That was something that, like, there was potential there, but it was obviously never realized, and it just became an annoyance, right? It just became like, mm -hmm. okay, well, 
you took you 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 got rid of my function keys, and instead, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm left with this thing where okay, I have a great way of adjusting the brightness, but that's it. I think that this is better than that, but and and I I think that already it has more adoption than the the touch bar ever did from third parties. But I, I do want them to be able to take it to the next level where you can actually interact with it more because right now it's just kind of decoration. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, so kind of going down the list of other stuff, always on display. Uh, I could take this or leave it. I don't I'm think it really matters. So um, what is it doing? Can you, can you uh, talk a little bit about like what it is like to experience? Like is it? it- it's just always like it's on, uh, like imagine your iPhone if you put it down to the lowest brightness setting. Oh. It's just always there. Um, it doesn't Why? really distract you at night if it's like, because uh, my iPhone charges on a magnetic stand next to my bed. Right. It's not bright enough to to bother you, but yeah. it also doesn't solve any problem other than I just went and saw the Woman King and I was able to look down and see the clock more easily as I was watching the, the film, I guess. <laughs> um, I'm probably going to turn it off because it will obviously save some battery power. I, I, I think it's cool that they've figured out a way to leave it on all the time where you still get all day battery life but uh Mm -hmm. just not a big deal for me christina how do you feel about it yeah i'm kind of the same way like i could take it or leave it i get the appeal i think that obviously like the the big standout ios 16 feature that it goes along with are like the you know the new home screens and the and the home screen the lock screens and the new lock screen widgets and the fact that you can basically have these different profiles and Mm-hmm. You can have for, for for these different scenarios, which is really cool. And so the idea would be, okay, I can just glance at this and see my calendar or see the weather or see, you know, like my, my, my stocks or whatever the case may be. That actually I don't hate, right? And and it is glanceable. You can also, you know, see some of your notifications and stuff coming in. But that I don't, I don't, I don't hate, right? I think that's actually nice, especially if you're in a scenario where like you're at a desk and you've got your phone maybe on your desk or you've got it on a stand and you just want to kind of glance at it and and instantly have access to that information. Where I don't like like it, like I have it so that it's turned off at night because even though it's not bright enough to necessarily bother me. I don't want it there. Um, and, and in a movie theater, I would definitely, I feel the same way about the always on watch um, a screen, to be honest, right? That that debuted, I think, two years ago. And that was one of those scenarios where I was like, well, it kind of is annoying because it makes my watch battery not as good. But if I'm in certain scenarios, like if I'm, you know, in a movie theater, like I'm turning that off because I don't want um, that to maybe disturb people or, or to distract me. Um, so... I'm with you. I could take it or leave it. I think it's one of those features that every other phone has had for a really long time. It, I think that it goes along with the, the the lock screen widgets. I will just add, I know we're talking about the phones, not iOS 16. I really like iOS 16. I really like the lock screen widgets. I, too. I really yeah, feel yeah. limited by the fact that there are only three you can have. And that yep. limitation, and maybe I'm wrong, it feels like the, the reason that limitation is there is because of all the past phones they have to support. And I get that. But I also, but I'm also like, look, but you will make breaks in certain things like have more, right? Because if I've got this expensive, you know, new phone with, with all this Ram, like certainly I could have a couple more widgets. Um, It it, it feels like kind of like you you feel limited, like you have so much potential and then you're like, but I only have three. But I really like that feature, um, and and, yeah, and I think I and definitely I think that, agree. And I think that obviously, like between the dynamic islands, but also really with the always on display, 
this shows that off like really, really well. I I just think it's like that's why I have an Apple Watch for right. Like You're not it wrong. literally shows me all that stuff. So that's true. That's true. I think if I didn't have an Apple Watch, I would find that to be a very useful feature. Oh, yeah. But, but the, I do have one. No, so you're right. It's you're right. Not. That's what I was thinking of too. When you're talking about like checking the time during a movie, like you both have Apple Watches. Well, that's I lost my for. Apple Watch. Okay, you both had Apple Watches. Right, so I I will have one in like in like two weeks when it finally ships. Um, the the the, the series eight. But yeah, I lost my Apple Watch. So you're you're exactly right because if I I hadn't lost my Apple Watch, which uh, listener, I don't know how. I don't know. I I will find it eventually, and it will be something that I I will not be able to um you know use anymore because it will be uh like decrepit. But I will be going to boxes <laughs> one day and be like, oh, remember remember that 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 watch you lost? Yes, yeah, silly girl. Be like rusted <laughs> completely, but yeah, you're right. If you have a watch, it, it does feel superfluous. That's true. So, I want to talk about this. Um, actually, can we talk about something I think that is extremely good about this, which is the saving grace and why I am glad I bought this? Yes, uh, the battery life. Mm. I was coming at this from a 12, and look, I can't, all I can do is quantify this in like what my daily use experience is. But my my iPhone 12 Pro had uh, a battery that was at 95% health, I believe. And I was having to charge that thing at least twice a day. Oh, wow. Um, with this phone, it absolutely makes it all day long, watching YouTube, tweeting, using as my main device for um for uh you know doing email all of that absolutely lasts all day so the battery life on this alone is the saving grace it is it's drastically better is is that your experience too christina or is that just me no i mean so were you on a 12 or were you on a were you on 12 a 12 pro, pro or were you on a 12, 12 pro, pro max, max. okay yeah, you were on a 12, 12 pro, pro max. max okay so yeah. yeah it is definitely better now part of this i it's hard for me to quantify because my 12 pro Max, a my battery health was at eighty six percent, so a mm. lot less than yours. Um, B, um, I had to put this like terrible Intune software on it when I worked at Microsoft to be able to have access to internal <laughs> systems, and that MDM profile, like the stuff that they made us install, like I'm not joking, it it takes about twenty percent of the battery like off. Oh my god, it's Oof, terrible. Um, and and so I don't have that on the new phone. I'm still using the old phone because I still get messages sometimes through Teams that I still have to reply to in the old system. But I'm I'm not in tuning my new phone. I'm like, no, you you can reach me or you cannot reach me. But I'm I'm not doing that to my to my devices anymore. Um, so it's hard for me to quantify the difference. But I would say the battery life is definitely very very good. What about the camera? Um, I I want to be honest with you. I've I've taken pictures with both phones back to back. And when, like, the screen on the new one is much better, but when I open them in Photoshop, hand to God, I don't know, maybe I'm just, my eyes aren't that good or whatever it is, but I, I, maybe I just suck at photography. I can't tell a huge difference here, just to, to be straight with you. Um, I think that it's minor. I will say, I think the selfie cam, which I use increasingly mm-hmm. a lot, is actually a lot better. And that is a nice upgrade for sure. Um, you know, Apple still, the way they do their AI for photo stuff, I think Google does it better, but I do generally like Apple's software approach to, to their cameras. But again, I, I do think Google's AI stuff for, for how they treat photos and, and like kind of post is, is better. Um, I haven't spent enough time with 
the 48 megapixel camera to deal with the binning and deal with with kind of like that like kind of mm-hmm. um, system to really be able to put it to its test. But seeing some of the the images that you know people like Sebastian Dewitt and 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 um, uh, uh, um, Austin Evans and some other people have have done with um, the camera leaves me really hopeful. So I I am excited by it, but I, I will kind of concede. I don't. I don't think we've reached like peak phone, like peak camera by by any means. But I will say that again, if you're coming from like a twelve or a thirteen, especially a thirteen, unless you're very very particular, this is not going to be like so much better that you feel like oh I have to upgrade this right because cameras in in phones have gotten so good now right that like my my DSLR is obviously going to take better photos, but it's also a much bigger pain in the, pain in the butt yeah. to, to take with me, right? And in video, I think is actually uh, even more true. The sensor is bigger. And so what I'm really looking forward to doing, and I haven't done a ton of testing with it, but I'm really looking forward to using this for video stuff and, and seeing like what the, what the um, you know, d- what the changes will be with that. But- Can I make um, some TikToks? Yeah, I'm going to make <laughs> some TikToks. That actually, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Any uh, I, so listening to both of you talk about it, I do still fall on the side of I don't know that I need to upgrade. Yeah, I think just because the 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 financial incentive is clearly there, possibly in terms of clearly possibly there in terms of saving money on whatever future trade in I will have to do someday. Right. However. I still the prospect of sticking with my old phone and then being like truly stunned by whatever one I do end up upgrading to like that's so tempting to me still and it sounds like this is a very good phone and one that has features that I'm pretty excited about um but it's not it's not going to blow me away I don't think I I would agree with that. I I don't regret buying this enough that I'm going to take it back to Apple. I mean, the the fact is that this is a slightly better phone with much better battery life. Mm -hmm. And I use my phone 10 hours a day easily, right? right? Like it's... Same. It's even a small game there is... is, It's something I'm going to get, you know, $1,600 of value out of. Um, I'm just saying, like, even the purple on it is not a very sexy purple. It's like it's not a fun it's a purple. Muted <laughs> purple, yeah. It's, it's beautiful. It's, it's beautiful. It's classy, right? But it's not fun. It, it's a little too dark. I think it's not rocket purple, and I want it to be rocket purple. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, that's I mean, true. I, I'm still going to call it the rocket edition, but I, I do agree. Like the if you get like the the normal 14, like that purple is m- more rocket purple, and that one's more fun. Um, I agree mm-hmm. with them. They should have um, consulted us. Like they we're have. right here. They know our numbers. <laughs> they, they they do. And also Amy Jane um, uh, uh, Gruber, she commented. She was like, Apple, like bring the fun colors to like the propose. And I couldn't agree with her more. Like they, you know, this yeah. is the company that used to do like the Dalmatian spotted like IMAX and stuff, right? Like, yeah. you know, like they, they had like whimsy. That was always one of my favorite parts of Apple is, is, was the whimsy. We don't have the whimsy now. Although I am glad we had the purple. I'm not mad at it. I wish it were a little bit brighter. I wish it were like a little more fun. But it's also really pretty. They're dipping their toes into whimsy. And if you listeners want to support whimsy at Apple, you know what colors to buy. Mm. And Oh, very fair. Very fair. Uh, just a very quick thing before we move on. Um, I also got the Apple Series 8 uh, watch. Uh, I upgraded that this year. 
my review of it is practically identical. Um, it is much better battery life. It's slightly faster. Um, I was coming at this from the series, uh, series five, I believe. So I wouldn't really suggest upgrading with it, but uh, it's, it's, again, it's not something I mind because I use it so much. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Coda.io. How many times a day do you have to switch tools? I know I am constantly jumping between apps, whether I'm on my iPad, like taking notes for this show, or whether I am on my work computer going between Handbrake and Premiere and, you know, Chrome, Firefox, Slack, all of those silly little things. It's not so wild to think that everyone should be able to collaborate in a single tool. And that's why so many people love Coda. If your best work is spread out across documents, spreadsheets, and a stack of workflow tools you have to jump in and out of all day, you need Coda, the doc that brings words, data, and teams together. Coda is endlessly customizable and connected. There are copyable templates for anything and everything. Product roadmap, remote onboarding, OKR tracking, meeting notes, you name it, Coda has it. Coda adapts to growing teams and changing strategies. It can help change how you view information depending on what you need to do with it. And perhaps most importantly, Coda seamlessly integrates with the tools you need. Everything in Coda is synced. Make an update in a table, boom, it automatically shows up everywhere. No more relying on copy-paste to keep linchpin projects up to date. Your team can operate on the same information and collaborate the way that we all freaking want to. Quickly. Efficiently. Beautifully. Seamless. I'm just making up mm-hmm. adverbs now. The, the, those are all for me, folks. <laughs> Listen, if you want to synchronize with your team as if you are a, a, a beautiful uh, group of Olympic swimmers, uh, all very triangular and moving in complete unison in a way that baffles the mind and makes ob- outside observers look at you and go, wow, did they train for this? You say, no, we didn't train for this. We just use Coda. Folks, you're, you're talking to multiple people now in this scenario. There, there's actually a large group of people. Their noses are pressed to the windows of your office. They are staring in from the lobby from the glass doors at your open plan workplace. And they're saying, my God, what are they doing in there? Do you see? I I smell. What's that smell in the air? Is it efficiency? And somebody, tears streaming down their face, says, I haven't smelled that scent in years. Mm. And then you come and you press your face against the glass from the other side. And you, um, you say, it's Coda. And they say, <laughs> what? Because they can't hear you through the glass. It's very it's very thick glass. Uh, you have a very secure workplace. You need a card to swipe in and out. Um, and you've had extensive training about like whether you can let people who don't work in, you know, who don't work in your office into the workplace or not. They need to be signed in at a desk, you know, and, and you have their ID taken. Um, and you say again, it's Coda. And the people in the lobby say, what? And then you 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 whisk open the door. You spread your arms wide. <laughs> wow. And you say it's coda.io. 
and everyone, everyone, everyone in the lobby starts clapping. One guy starts first in the back. He starts clapping. And then everybody starts clapping. They're... They're all crying now. They're oh looking at, God. you know, that feeling when you, you see someone cry and you're like, I didn't want to cry, but I'm seeing, oh, my God, the emotion that you're experiencing is making me cry. Everyone is crying now. You start crying. You close the door again for safety. Um, so that's the experience that you're having. Your team deserves a tool that adapts to them, not the other way around. So try Coda. And right now you can get started having your team all working together on the same page for free. Head to coda.io slash rocket. That is C-O-D-A dot I-O to get started for free. Coda.io slash rocket. Our thanks to Coda for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. I think that's possibly the weirdest ad we've ever done. <laughs> I was gonna say I'm very proud of you, but I'm yes. <laughs> Do you ever just start talking? <laughs> Maybe like 20% less. Yeah? Maybe. Okay. Maybe. I yeah. got a little carried away there, I'll be honest. I, I really went into like a mind palace. Um you did, but I'm but I'm that's but I'm called into dissociating. It. Thank you. <laughs> wow, let's talk about maybe the most hard-hitting tech story of <gasps> the day. Yep. Um, and that is this chess cheating scandal, uh, which I'm gonna try to summarize for you all, and then we're gonna discuss some of the theories about it. So it Listeners, if you just heard the words chess cheating scandal and thought, oh, my God, they're going to talk about chess. I got to. <gasps> can I skip forward through this one? Don't. You don't want don't. to. Yep. But also maybe um, cover your kids ears. We're not going to use explicit language, but we might, Christina, discuss concepts. <laughs> yep. Uh, that could raise questions in young minds, maybe even in your mind, listener. I was the one that was I love that I was the one that was immediately called out. Yes. Yes. OK. OK. Fair. So. At this big chess championship, uh, we're going to be discussing two guys mainly: Magnus Carlsen, who's like the world champion, incredible, amazing chess player, and Hans Newman, who is a very young American player, uh, not titled, just just in in it in the game, trying to win out there. Uh, these two had a match recently in which Hans Newman, the young, unproven American beat this world champion magnus carlson and everyone's like wow that was weird and then magnus carlson gets on twitter and he posts a clip of uh jose Mourinho, uh the football coach saying if i talk i'll be in big trouble and makes this like cryptic just post this very cryptic tweet and people are like a what do you mean by this b are you implying that hans newman cheated to beat you and carlson is saying nothing he's saying nothing and then they have another matchup in in a tournament they make they get through two moves and magnus carlson walks away from his computer turns off his camera and leaves the match uh leaving people stunned and yet still has not said anything about like what happened what he may or may not he hasn't even like officially said i'm accusing this guy of cheating uh but it is what everyone assumes is is what the conversation is uh hasn't said anything just will not play him um is being very cryptic and coy online hans newman meanwhile uh under attack by all sides because when the uh world champion accuses you of cheating people tend to go yeah, seems legit. <laughs> like, 
you you've never beaten this guy before and also you're like not that high ranked of a chess player so and and, uh, and, and, you- and you've admitted to cheating before and you've admitted to cheating before. That being said, the two times he admitted to cheating, I think it, when he was 16 and when he was like 10. So grain of yeah. salt there, just to be devil's advocate. That being said, history of cheating. I mean, 16, I think, is completely fair game because he's what, like 19? Yeah, he's like 19 or 20. As as I understood it from the article I read, and correct me if I'm wrong, he was 13, I thought I read, when he admitted to cheating on chess.com. Yes. Um, 16 is definitely the latest uh, time that he admitted to cheating. Um, But you bring up chess.com, which is very relevant because he has actually been banned from Mm -hmm. chess.com in yet another sort of cryptic and unresolved exchange where the the proprietor of chess.com went, get him out of here. And he went, I'm not cheating but then chess.com says we notice suspicious behavior and we are trying to work this out behind the scenes so it's very much a there there is a constant uh he said he said (laughs) yes situation happening in the world of high-ranked chess right now um we'll i'll leave my summary there without going into the more uh granular shall we say details of if he were cheating, how it might have been accomplished. But the this story has been going on for like two weeks now. It is a an ever-rolling thunderstorm. Um, and it it's exciting and interesting and strange. What do we make of this this cutthroat controversy in the world of chess? So before we get to the salacious elements, I, I think I may have an unpopular opinion here. <gasps> I I think this kid is getting a bad rap, okay? Like, if you're playing some jerk store online or whatever, like, I can see some stupid kid when he's 13, like, using a chess algorithm to to train or to check a move or to, you know, to, to do it there. That's not a serious it's it's a less serious thing and mm-hmm. also you know he he's put on record that he's never uh uh cheated uh like in a real serious face where there was money game. on the line right yeah um another thing is like the if you look at the way these scores are calculated when it's like oh he has no chance of beating this guy like if you look at the way the elo scores are calculated which has been this metric since the 60s it's a it's a flawed metric. It's not like he had no chance of winning. It's just that he had like a one in five chance of winning, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's not uh, it's not impossible to believe. And also, let's just be honest. Like I don't know what all men are like when they lose, but I know what Frank is like when he loses <laughs> at pinball, and he can be a really big baby. And it's not hard for me to imagine the best chess player in the world just kind of being a child about this and and quitting and doing a bunch of like it's easy to imagine a dude that's into chess not being the best sport so i i just don't see any hard evidence here whatsoever i see a lot of wild allegations yeah that's actually where i am with it as well which is to say like whether or not he cheated the fact that no one can stand up and say like yes he cheated we have proof that he cheated and that is why we are treating him this way to me seems not great like uh, people are are treating him as if it is absolutely proven that he cheated when there has been as far as i can tell 
nothing of that nature. Um, And like this quote from him, like, granted, maybe he's just defending himself, but he has this quote in the CBS piece I read on it, uh, which goes, a lot of my heroes who I once had respect for, who I once looked up to, a lot of my heroes have decided to hop on this bandwagon. Um, And he's getting harassed online. But again, like, these are just accusations based on a vague tweet, basically, which to me seems really unfair. Like, Yes, he's 19. Yes, he's an adult. But like how he's being banned from chess.com when they can't even say definitively whether or not something happened on his account in recently like that. That's weird to me. Yeah, so I do disagree a little bit. Like, I think this kid absolutely more than likely cheated. I do agree with you that like it would be better to have some sort of proof. And I know that it's not impossible to me. The most um, I guess, um, uh, like, a uh, generous explanation in his favor would be there was, there's an article in the Atlantic, which we'll have linked below where there's kind of this, this theory, which is that the chess, I think the article is called like chess is just gambling now, which basically kind of says mm. that at this point, rather than, than people really learning to play the game, people are learning to play the odds and are learning to, mm. to, to make certain moves the same way a computer would make moves. And that the kind of the, the, the computerization and, and, and the AIification of chess, which has had a big impact on it because, you know, the, the machines are now getting really good and, and, and have beat, you know, good players, not all the time, but they certainly do some of the time. That, that the same way that really good poker players don't play maybe from like the gut and and don't use you know kind of uh you know the the the, the psychological skills and social skills to kind of like uh, weed things out but are just going purely mathematically and and are making um bets based on on the odds and they're memorizing those odds um that the people are doing the same thing with chess i do think that that is potential that said mm-hmm. i just personally like and again, I think this is because I've I've followed on and off, and I don't follow it regularly regularly anymore. But I have in the past followed um, a uh, you know the the, the poker uh, scene, and and I saw how that sport um, uh, changed over time, and and in the way that you could see a lot of cheaters come into that, and and the very I think this is why I'm maybe more biased. I think that he's cheating. I've seen some very very sophisticated. Uh, cheating at poker in in ways that that you would not expect and 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 really kind of smart things and stuff that you wouldn't think and so for me the fact that they're not doing it in person that they are doing it you know online even if it's over video camera and whatnot that they're you know um, like like he's claiming that he would go in a Faraday cage or whatever and 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 play like I think that it might get to that point we'll talk about some of the allegations at this point but like I I think that. You take someone who had his ranking and who has, you know, he's he's made very, very good strides in terms of chess, but is also still kind of this like relatively out of nowhere guy. Obviously, this can happen. Obviously, you can have these these scenarios where you can end up beating, you know, the world champion. That can happen. But there's there's just something about this that just feels off to me. So mm-hmm. that that that's where I'm at with this, where I've just I've seen some really sophisticated cheating at poker that set off my alarm bells and I went yeah, this would be a great like Cinderella story. It'd be a great kind of narrative. But I also, especially since he's admitted to cheating before, and I will hold that against him 100%. You're 19. You admitted you cheated three years ago. You've been kicked off these websites. A lo- you know what? Yeah. A lot, I, again, I, I actually feel like chess.com probably had good reason to. Maybe they don't have all the proof they can give. But the same way like people know, like you know, Brie, with like the speedrunning community, there are cheaters and you know there are cheaters yeah. and you might not be able to prove it like 
every which way which would satisfy every person, but you know they're cheating. Poker's the same way. I have to feel like chess is the same way. I, I don't know. Something, something doesn't smell right about this to me. But the way we, we find that in speedrunning is you have people that really understand how they understand these games and like how you would cheat to speedrun it or like they understand it enough to catch very small technical things to to spot sure. uh, like 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 ones that aren't legitimate, which is why it's chess.com is doing an investigation and they have those kinds of metrics like, oh, we can see if you're every single move, like flipping over to another browser and looking at something, like maybe they have ways of detecting it like that. Um, I'm 100% uh, like, let them do that investigation. Maybe they have similar metrics. I just think, you know, like you need some proof before you like decide this guy's guilty does does that make sense no it does it does i'm just i mean like for for this thing i i i stand by it for chess.com i actually don't think so i think that like they banned him years ago and now they've you know they they, they've they've like removed him like for future events like but they basically said because they're like look you misrepresented what happened before and 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 they you know um weren't happy with that i'm completely fine with them making that decision but i do agree with you i think that for this most current kind of scandal I think that more proof needs to needs to take place for sure. But but I mean, I also understand how some of these systems work, which is you're never going to be able to satisfy everyone. Like you might not sometimes you might just be going on instinct and maybe you get it wrong. But I think ninety nine percent of the time you probably get it right in terms of yep. like sussing out cheaters, to be honest. Yeah. With you. To to read devil's advocate in the other direction from my previous direction of devil's advocating, uh the <laughs> quotes about like how he won the match that he won i also found super shady like he right. he, he wasn't able to give a exactly. solid answer to how he had beaten uh magnus uh the first time to me that was the big the big red flag and again maybe yeah. maybe, maybe if you memorize so he things- said that he Sorry, initially said that he had seen uh a similar match played between uh I'm forgetting his freaking name, Carlson, and another player in 2018 at the London Chess Classic. Um, and such a match does not exist. Um, he also said, quote unquote, met, uh, Carlson has a tendency for, quote unquote, these kinds of weird things uh, and has mannerisms that Neiman was able to learn because, like, he had watched so many of Carlson's matches, um, which doesn't, uh, to me, like, maybe that points to what you were saying, Christina, about, like, it, it was a gamble, and maybe he just doesn't want to say, hey, I, I banked on him doing this weird thing, and he did it, and I won on a fluke. Or maybe that's a really uh, evasive answer for, like, because it, it, what it is not is I saw that he was doing this strategy, and I used my knowledge of chess to do the strategy that I knew would defeat that one. Like, that's what it's not an answer saying. Uh, right, right, <laughs> which, which to me was kind of the sus thing, right? Like, because, again, yeah. like, even, even if he had... I thought like his answer could have been better. Like if he was doing what the, what kind of the Atlantic posited, which is memorizing a lot of these things. I feel like that person who had studied and memorized those things that much, even if like you're not playing the game the same way would have enough knowledge of the game and would have enough knowledge of maybe being able to say, well, statistically, this is what's more like, you know what I mean? Like I I just feel like you'd be able to have a, a more clear answer. The fact that he didn't, Again, yeah, that's what makes me suspect because again, there was a there was a cheating scandal in like a small 
club. I think it was in California. I, I don't remember where it was, but it was like a kind of a small gambling hall. Um, this was a couple of years ago where they were doing and it, what was interesting about this, just let me go on a side tangent, because it reminds me of this situation where basically you had a guy who was making these incredible bets and these incredible odds, and he was playing live in like in person in these halls. But what was happening was they had um people who were commenting for the internet live stream. So it's being broadcast to Twitch. You have people who are in a different area who are commenting and talking about the cards. There's RFID on the cards, obviously, mm. so people can comment. And then what happened was is that he basically and and you know they ended up kind of figuring this out, but it it was I don't think the guy ever kind of owned up to it. He basically had kind of an in with somebody in the control room um where they were, you know, broadcasting the commentary who was sending him messages um and 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 vibrating wow. things about what the what the opponent's cards were so that he was able to make bets. So this is a scenario where you have people in person playing against one another and you have somebody who, you know, once you kind of knew what to look for, you could see that he had his phone out a lot and that he had kind of his head in his hands and he was doing certain things, but he was getting signals from people in the control room who had access obviously to like what all the cards were to to give him those things and, and but he didn't so speaking of vibrations yes tell us the conspiracy theory so the conspiracy theory here and this is what made me think of that i was like oh yeah i saw this with poker the conspiracy theory is that uh using a, a device that let's say would be hidden in a place that would not be visible on camera um you know maybe where the sun don't shine um it, that using uh a uh, an open source uh program like 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 buttplug.io <gasps> um, vibrations, which is a real thing, um, that like, you know, that, that signals might be sent in terms of what types of, of moves, um, he should make based on like what the algorithm that you would put into like the, 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 the AI chess programs would say. Interesting. And, and this theory for this specific case comes from Reddit, although yep. it is possible and has been done before. Um, he has said, I, I'll play a, a match naked if you want me to and show that I'm not hiding anything in my person that I am receiving signals on. Um, and I think the precautions that have been taken are they the managers of the tournament are broadcasting on a delay now, mm-hmm. as well as I think like literally scanning participants for radio signals, which is very funny. Which I think you need to do, right? Like, because I think that obviously, sure. like having having the you know stuff 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 hidden um, up your butt, you know, like you're getting contraband into jail. Is it's unlikely, you know, but that's a real thing. Like that's how people get a lot. It could happen. I mean, that's how most people smuggle both drugs and and phones and all kinds of stuff into jail. Is is that's what you do? Um, you know, I, I think that's probably unlikely in this scenario. But I I would say that having it on a delay would be the important thing. The reason I yeah. thought of that was again, as I said, I remember that chess that that poker scandal and the fact that this was a an in person thing where they thought that they had the networks completely shut out. They thought that they had everything like legit, right? Like they really did think that they were doing the right thing and that it was impossible for him to be getting signals. And in this case, because there wasn't a delay and because you know you have like so much time that you can make a move, if you were able to get information to someone, especially when you're not doing it in person, right? Especially when you're doing this remotely. Yeah, my my first instinct is going to be like someone's getting him, um, you know what his ne- what his moves are based on what they're entering into like a chess algorithm. Mm-hmm. Like that 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 was my first thought. Well, uh, up to you, listeners. Read up on it. There will be uh, links in the show notes to where you can read more about this chess Super scandal. Fun. And who knows? Maybe we'll be covering it more as <sighs> as things come to light. 
All right. It is time for our dessert segment of the day. And we have, again, a very special guest. And that special guest is Christy Smythe. Christy Smythe, welcome to Rocket. Thank you so much for having me. So as you can tell from our uh, from our previous segment on uh, cheating in chess, uh, we do love a bit of drama here on Rocket. It's our favorite thing. And Christy, you have been the subject of a bit of drama that we have also covered on Rocket, uh, most infamously a piece in L that came out uh, in 2020. Uh, basically, you were a reporter at Bloomberg, and uh, you had been reporting on Martin Screlly, uh quite a bit. And you kind of, in the the, the <laughs> case of recording on him, uh, it was almost like the media had a storyline about him, certain sto- storyline we adhered to largely on Rocket of him kind of being a, a jerk. And uh, yeah. you kind of covered this. And as your marriage was uh, basically coming to an end, uh, you ended up having you know, romantic feelings for Martin Screlly. Yes. And things happened with uh, your career. And, uh, you know, uh, I was actually kind of worried that you might have listened to our previous segment before coming on the podcast it's today. Uh, really okay. We were... <laughs> We we had the uh, I think the average take out there, but uh, you know, in the time since, I've gotten to know you on Twitter, and you know, uh, you're you're just a remarkably thoughtful, mature, um, really measured, interesting woman, and uh, I I just kind of wanted to invite you back to kind of talk about that piece and uh, kind of get your own point of view on all of it. Well, thank you so much. I really, um, it's, it's actually, you know, I knew people were going to have a negative reaction when I came out, uh, talking about my relationship with Martin, I expected that, um, the fact that you've been, you know, open-minded enough to kind of like absorb things I've said and, and, uh, and taken something away from that, you know, that that's really great. And I really appreciate that. Well, yeah, no, seriously, thank you for coming on. And, and also, I want to say, like, I think uh, I, I don't want so I could be completely contradicting myself and I could be a complete hypocrite. But I think that our take at the time, although, yes, I'm sure that, uh, positive that there was like the base kind of normal reaction to it. There's also mixed in like amount of like, frankly, like I have to I have to say like bravery for you being as honest as you were yeah. in, in, in the L piece to even talk about this, because. I, I know that you're not the first person who's had situations like this happen, but to my knowledge, you're one of the first that's ever discussed it and kind of talked about it. So all credit to you for for actually like like sharing this with the world and 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 being honest about about these things. Well, thank you. So yeah, I mean, we would love to just to kind of refresh our listeners' memory on all this. Do you kind of want to give the the lowdown on, on everything that happened at Bloomberg and in covering this case? Just me, like a snapshot, real quick. Or? Yeah, 100%. sure. Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, this is not a normal situation. I went to two great journalism schools. I I know perfectly well how you know journalists are supposed to deal with sources and their lines are not supposed to cross and there are conflicts of interest and all that stuff. That said, I'm still a human being, you know? And there is this very exceptional situation where, okay, I broke the story of Martin's arrest. I knew at that time that, you know, because he became the most hated man in America over the drug price increase, and he was this like Twitter, you know, villain phenomenon. I knew that his arrest would be a gigantic story. So I pushed for that story. I worked really hard to break that. 
Um, and it was fantastic for me and fantastic for my career. It got like, I don't know, I think like 2 million hits the first day or something like that. It was huge for Bloomberg. Um, and then afterward, Martin started talking to me and it was all off the record at first, which was very strange. And, you know, I was trying to figure out what he was really after. Um, but we, you know, we forged like a friendship and this friendship kind of kept going. And I thought, well, all right, maybe I'll use this rapport to like write a book about his case. That seemed to make sense. You know, hey, I have a friendly relationship with this guy. He's like a big villain. Like, mm-hmm. let me, you know, try to try to milk that. And then I tried to sell a book and I couldn't. Um, and it was really kind of disorienting and I couldn't figure out what was going on. Um, and I think through that frustration and um, also my marriage ending, it, that, that would have ended anyway without Martin in the picture. Um, and then the the pressures I felt at Bloomberg to kind of like be a certain way and mm-hmm. to present myself a certain way. And I wasn't allowed to say certain things about Martin on Twitter. Like it was, it was just like a lot that just kind of pushed me. It, it pushed me in a, in a weird place. And I eventually left Bloomberg and I realized I had feelings for Martin. And, and this was all happening kind of at the same time, kind of collapsed together. Um, because, you know, I mean, the things people said about, about me on Twitter when I went public, you you can tell, like, I was aware of those kinds of prejudices. So I was right. obviously stuffing yeah. down all of the <laughs> whatever feelings I had. I wasn't dealing with them because, you know, I knew what was out there. But when I finally was like, you know what, you're right. I can I'm conflicted. I can't do this. I have to I have to decide to leave my job. So that's what I did. Um, and then I told Martin I loved him and he told me I love you, too. And we had like a relationship when he was in prison for like two years. I, I'm curious. I want to uh, dig a little deeper into what you said about just like the general stress that was happening at that mm-hmm. time, which is, of course, not to discount your your feelings, like which could have emerged regardless. But based on the kind of high pressure situation that you were in, is there anything I think institutional and sorry if you can hear the construction that's happening at 9 p.m in the apartment next to mine i'm sorry (laughs) anything institutional that you feel let you down in terms of how how you could have been maybe shielded from the stresses of the situation or supported by the the industry that you are in I does that make sense absolutely there was no option as far as coming like sitting down with someone, I had a great editor. I mean, I, I she had a, I had a good relationship with her. I think she's a good, really good person. Um, but there, but even her, like, there was no like sense that I could come to somebody with like a real emotional struggle and like have and and be able to find a solution for it. Like that was just not there, you know. Like it was, um, just it, all I would get was you know kind of like dirty looks from like guys in management. And I was like, oh, they're all reading my Twitter, aren't they? <laughs> and they really hate it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, yeah, it was, I just wish there had been an opportunity to, to sit down and say, hey, let me tell you about what I'm struggling with. And, and mm-hmm. what does that mean? And what can we do about it? Is there something that we can do about it? Because I don't want to be conflicted. You know, I don't want to like, right. Right. Like, that's not a situation. I don't want to, I don't, I also like, as much as I cared for Martin, I didn't want to, I wasn't going to like sacrifice my honesty as a reporter and my, my, you know, my work right. for him. I wasn't going to lie for him. Certainly not. Um. So like, uh, yeah, there was no, there was no way out. 
there was, you know. Yeah. So it seems like, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that it seems like you didn't get the support you could have had to maybe talk to them about that and maybe like work out like, can I cover another beat? Is there another opportunity for me to do something else? You know, because you're not the first per- you're not the first journalist that is, you know, had um, a, a different relationship, a more personal relationship with with the source. Right. Like whether it's romantic or, or no, personal or not. otherwise, like you're not the first, not, not even remotely close. I think, you know, you you are unique, uh, more unique. Usually what happens is that someone is exposed. They don't expose themselves. Right. Like they don't kind right. of like and refuse themselves like and, and leave. Exactly. Right. Like and and so, you know, I think you you um, deserve a lot of credit for that. Um, and, and but also I have to think like to Simone's point, you know, there were other things going on in your life too, that I'm sure like made all of this had, had to be kind of, you know, stressful and, and confusing. Um, what's, uh, what's the status of your relationship with, with Martin right now? Oh, Martin and I are just friends now. I mean, we've, he's off doing his own things in his own direction. Um, we, we talk, we talk sometimes, um, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I helped him with his drug-like press release. <laughs> <You> <laughs> know? Um, <laughs> He like, you know, reaches out to me in the middle of a panic, like, can you help me fix this? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm dating someone else. I, I think he's dating many people at the moment. I don't really know. So <laughs> I guess, you know, uh, this is, I, I think for the, the heart of the story, what so many people found sensationalistic about it is, as she said, like Morton Screlly is, he's clearly been categorized as a villain. I mean, I myself have had multiple unpleasant Twitter interactions with him. Oh, he blocked me. He blocked me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He's actually you know, blocked I, me too, twice. But <laughs> I, I have friends that have had unpleasant things with him. My husband is barely on Twitter, and he hates him just because of how he makes his own industry look, which is pharmaceutical uh, drug development. I, I wanted to ask you, like, I'm not... I'm not unable to imagine his charms like he's he's cute and I do think he has a a boyish thing going on but other than that what is the what is the side to him that you see that the it mass that. public yeah. doesn't right. yeah So I know yeah I mean I can't argue with any of your interactions obviously if he was terrible to you he was terrible you know like that's right that's that's what happened um and yeah he's he is moody and mercurial and he can sometimes just be like you know a terror when he's just wants to i don't know have fun or make himself feel better um none of those things are good uh but he has um he really is when he's you know not being a jerk online he has so much, uh, he just loves learning. Like, I know that's, mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to see from his, like, arguing on Twitter. But if you sit down and talk to him, I mean, he's, like, it, it just vast, vast stores of knowledge about everything. And yeah. he's so excited and so eager to learn more about just about anything and, and makes connections that other people don't see. Um, he can be extremely funny. Um, you know, if it's a, if sometimes when he's making like a sort of subversive joke, um, it's just so like, you know, like it just, it just skewers something so perfectly. And I know that he said, and, and, you know, he harassed and, and said terrible things about a lot of women journalists, which is something that I really struggle with. 
But I would also remember him being really subversive with some arrogant male journalists and totally unsettling them and throwing them off their game. And I love that. <laughs> it was really fun to watch uh, because they just had no power. Like their whole authoritativeness was just totally wiped out. And um, he would he would like try to justify himself by saying, well, you know, yes, I, you know, I say these like the said these horrible things to these people. But I also say these horrible things to these people. So I'm not sexist. I'm just horrible to everyone. I'm like, well, OK, that's an argument. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and I remember him also saying like. Oh, when they go, when they go low, I go lower. And I like <laughs> did a literal face palm because I'm like, how are you just, yeah. that doesn't, that doesn't work. Like, <laughs> Do you feel, I feel like there's, that's kind of an always online mentality that uh, is by no means uh, exclusive to him. Uh, I, where where do you think that mentality comes from? Because I, I think I see it in Elon Musk as well, where there's this, at least in the online space, this, um, knee-jerk reaction to yeah really uh, conflict. it changes you yeah, yeah. Like people get like they get their their hackles are up like right away and like you know have to try to win by like you know one-upping you in some weird way and like i that's not a good way to behave with people right like it's just it's just conditioned and it's funny because that would stress me out if that were but i i, I don't do do you th- <laughs> i don't maybe these people don't find it stressful because i i can't imagine continuing to engage with people that way if it were stressful like maybe is there kind of joy in it I, yeah, or like stress I, relief maybe even yeah if martin definitely found it stress relieving and he went through a lot of stress um with his case and right with, um all the things that were happening to him the congressional hearing um you know just all all of the the, the, the perfect storm of all that stuff happening and i mean i had an editor literally telling me like oh he's gonna commit suicide like there's no way someone can handle all this and, that must um, have been awful to hear. <laughs> yes, yeah, it was really, well, you know, and, and I'm so, you know, I, my journalist mind is so like, you know, bent in weird ways. I'm like, oh, maybe I should write a pre-obit or something. And oh, was, yeah. Oh, God. Well, which well, that has to be right in and of itself has to be so conflicting. Like you're maybe starting to develop feelings for this person, whether they're of a more personal nature, just, you know, having affinity as a human being and then hearing that and being like oh okay but do i need to pre-write the obit which is so a journalist like, I'm thing having conversations that we do with him and he does not sound like he's okay right <laughs> uh yeah it was really horrible <laughs> oh but um, you're you're laughing through it because is that so that's your stress reaction yeah actually and um and that is another thing that i did enjoy about martin despite all of the bad is that he's very resilient and um he uses humor to deflect a lot um so it was very easy for us to sit down and just start laughing over the absurdity of everything just you know like it when i'd visit him in prison you know we'd be talking constantly I'd be there for like four or five hours and there's never a silent moment you know yeah yeah, I have to say, even though like he and I definitely had like a, he he blocked me for some reason. I don't remember why, but it was one of one of those things. Uh, I, I think that I made fun of him, and then he like got mad about it or something. And and which yeah, fair, probably like, you can you can block <laughs> me for any reason. Like I I I'm I'm not offended. I it was it was honestly it was like humorous or whatever. But I have to say, like he always struck me as like being you know a troll in like the classical sense, like in like the you know like late '90s, early 2000s sense, not like the horrific sense that 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 it's taken on now. Um, but also, like, I can sort of understand, I guess, what you're saying. Like, he doesn't appeal to me personally. But I remember watching some of his Excel um, live streams. I think I even mentioned this when we talked about Excel being on ESPN2. And 
uh, the stuff that he could do, he's very smart. It was very compelling. I was like, okay, this is actually really interesting. So I can I can understand like you you saw that sort of a, a, appeal with him. Um, but do you think that it was like how 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 did that how did that relationship develop? Was it just over the two of you talking a lot um, and, and you kind of getting to know him and maybe seeing like this other side or or was, you know, proximity because you were one of the the only people he was talking to? I'm just kind of curious how how you, you know, fell in love with him, I guess, over, you know, kind of kind of that, what feels like maybe more limited time that you were spending together while he was preparing for his trial. Yeah. Um, so from for the most part, I mean, it was a friendly interaction. I did feel like maybe we had a, like a bit of a special connection where he was comfortable with me. Sure. Um, and and was like willing to not be horrible. Um, but uh, what really did it for me is, you know, as I'm as I'm seeing him as a human and I'm seeing him dehumanized on the Internet over and over again. Um, and then when he got sent to prison. Um, it just triggered something in me. Um, and it was uh, a deep emotional reaction that, uh, I mean, I have like, I'm the kind of person who like, you know, gathers like data on this. Like I was wearing a Fitbit at the time. And uh, I I remember being able, I track, I have a screenshot of it. Like my my resting heart rate was up 10 beats for a whole week. Oh my God. After the day he was thrown wow. in. So it's very obvious that I cared. And, um, and it was like, so it was that Hillary hair thing, you know, he like said mm-hmm. that really stupid thing on the internet. I think he yeah, was, no, when he did that, it was, I, I, there was a part of me that I was like, are you literally asking for it? Like, like, <laughs> yes. what are you doing here? Like, because I felt like in my mind, I was like, you're a smart guy, but you're literally at this point, you're like asking the court to hold you in contempt. Like you're asking I for it. I think part of him was, I, it's very nerve wracking for most defendants after they're um, convicted, like, and waiting for sentencing. I think mm-hmm. part of him, and he has an anxiety disorder. We both have like right yeah can you remind us of what what is the thing that you guys are referring to the thing that was okay said? the so he lost his bail after he was convicted before he was sentenced because he posted hillary clinton was going on a book tour and he posted uh something on his facebook um uh, offering five thousand dollars to someone who would steal a hair from hillary clinton so he could test it to see if she was a lizard uh oh. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, pretty dumb. It was extremely that's, that's dumb. dumb. It was extremely, yeah. extremely dumb. And and I remember calling him after the prosecutors filed their motion. I was like, "What? What about this?" And he was like, "You know, he just went off on some rant about like freedom of speech." I was like, "Oh, dang. <laughs> yeah. it's not. Right. It's not happening." No, um, it, well, exactly. It's like I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty like pro like freedom of speech, even terrible speech person. But it's like that is like no, you're like you're like asking people to attack a public figure. Like that, that's that's yeah. what that is. And you're you know you're what I mean? On bail, you've been convicted. You're on this bail. Is not... You've been convicted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but to but but to your point, like if he has an anxiety thing, and like I struggle with that too. Maybe the waiting could be more difficult. And it's like, okay, let me force this into something where I don't have to have that anxiety of waiting to figure out what's going to happen next. Maybe right. did you and think that was like, any part like, of it? Just go, yeah. Like go with this impulse to say something stupid. Cause I want to say something stupid. And you know, if this gets me thrown in, it gets me thrown in. You know, I think that's, I think that's the thought process. Uh, yeah. But anyway, after we got was thrown in, um, there was the internet like erupted into like prison rape jokes. And, uh, that was, I was not happy to see that there were some reporters I worked with, uh, not at Bloomberg, but others that I worked with 
you know, in the press room who were like making their own prison rape jokes. I was like, oh God, prison rape jokes are never oh. okay. Like, no, <laughs> this no, is- they're really not. Yeah. I guess, you know, one of the, the things I found most interesting about your story, and I think this speaks to your integrity, which is why I've, I've really been felt I, I, it's been frustrating to watch uh, what I perceive as sexism in a way that you're treated over this sometimes. But I feel like a part of the story that has really gone un, un, unremembered is that you had a book deal, or or you had people that wanted you to write a book about Martin Screlly that was focusing more on him as a villain, right? And you were more interested in writing something that gave the other side of all of these events because you, both as a journalist and as a person, saw that as your genuine point of view, and that was the book that you wanted to write, which, uh, you know, I, I wasn't there, so I can't speak to the accuracy of it, but I think it shows a lot of integrity in saying, I'm going to turn down that deal uh, because this is the only story I can write here. Do you just want to talk a bit about what it's like to kind of, um, I guess, sacrifice like for for that kind of very strongly held perspective? Yeah, I mean, well, I didn't get quite a book deal. I had editors who right. were super interested, but then as soon as they saw it was kind of a more human humanizing take, they were turned right. off. Um, right. But the... Um, I did. I did sell film rights. There's something slowly in development. We'll see what happens. But um, anyway, uh, what you were saying, I I don't really view it as a sacrifice. Although I guess you could say it is, um, because to me it would be a sacrifice if I like wrote something I didn't feel was true. Like how wrong right. would that feel as a journalist? Like to like write something just because someone else is telling you that's what it is, even though that's not what you see. Like <laughs> it just right. doesn't like. I couldn't imagine selling a book that didn't actually, that didn't seem like my voice or like what my point of view, like it just, that would be so wrong. Yeah. I can really identify with that because like with Gamergate, I've I've been approached with so many projects that are like, let's tell this like a feminist Mm -hmm. horror story. Right. Ah. And I'm like, I just, I'm not going to do that. Right. Like (laughs) I I've made that mistake with media already. So I I really understand that. Like, like people trying to being interested in something is not what you want to put out there. That's really interesting. I've heard that feminist horror story line come out before (laughs) with a lot of, yeah, it's it's like Hollywood's trying to like, or, you know, the publishing industry is like trying to like get these feminist stories. They're like, no, no, it has to be a horror story. (laughs) Right, (laughs) right, right. That's the only way they're interested. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like the whole Exo Jane, like, uh, you know, like, like, uh, you know, like trauma complex, right? That like started, and that side doesn't even exist anymore, but like that whole, you know, uh, thing that kind of started there. Yeah, Yeah. I did want to ask you, you know, do you have any, any, is there anything now, like two years later that you would change about the L story, about how, how you told um, the, the, the story um, now that you've, you know, maybe uh, had, had more si- hindsight or, or just after seeing the reaction of what happened, would there be anything, like, if you could do things differently that you would change? Or or are you happy with with how things um, played out? Even though, like, I, again, to, to Bruce point, I think you've been remarkably resilient and, like, a much better sport than I certainly would be um, in, in the face of, like, people's reactions. Um, but, but I'm just curious if, if you would change anything um, now about, about how you, about how you went forward, um, with, uh, with your story. 
Not a whole lot. I mean, Stephanie Clifford, um, she's a very talented journalist. Um, mm-hmm. I, I knew her, you know, she was sat next to me in the press room and we would talk about books and writing and stuff like that. So, and, and I knew she's very smart. So I said, okay, if she's into this, you know, that sounds like a good way to, to get something done, you know? <laughs> uh, uh, but I guess I don't think either she or I anticipated the mental health angle coming out (laughs) like people like actually thinking that I'm like somehow like deranged um so maybe we would have maybe would have been better to kind of like head that off a bit and also Mm -hmm. like she was fascinated by the transition like you know I left my ex and I um you know and then was you know left Bloomberg and like started dating Martin um right but it wasn't as though I like chucked something that was that I wanted for something that was bad like that wasn't like my the thinking at all like and and my so I might have tried to make that more clear like the the perfect little life that I was talking about in the article was like Instagram perfect like not actually perfect (laughs) Mm. (laughs) that's a good point yeah it was and I don't think that was made clear enough yeah and and to be fair like I think like when I reread it again like I think that 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 intention was made, but I think that it, this is just honestly like a judgment on all of us who read it, which is people don't want to accept that very common thing that you point out, which is like it looked that way on paper, but clearly it wasn't right. Like, yeah, I, th- I think right. I think that that the people wanted to maybe create their own narratives around something so that it would be easier rather than to want to look at like the, you know, more messy and more truthful reality, which is you were in a situation that you were unhappy with regardless of of Martin. And, and, and that you, you know, wanted to change your life uh, regardless of those things. It just happened to all kind of coincide together. Right, right. And it's hard to anticipate how people are going to react and what they're going to bring to it and how much attention it's going to get because that changes everything. Sure. Um, I, I didn't realize, you know, how many people are in these like really horrible manipulative relationships and they read all that into my story and and I could see their pain projected on me, you know, mm. and um and you know I felt bad that like you know I I'm like well no actually I'm quite happy and I'm arguing with you but like I am sorry right. that you you feel like you need me to make yourself feel better like what what um you know I'm sorry that you're in that situation. Well, thank you so much, Christy, for coming on. Uh, my understanding is you're going to stick around for our bonus segment for our uh, subscri- paid subscribers. <laughs> yes. And I'm boosties. so excited. Our boosties. I'm so excited to continue talking to you. Uh, thank you so much for the for answering all the questions and having a thoughtful conversation with us. You're very welcome. Christy, before we move on today, uh, where can people find you online if they want to hear more from you? Well, um, I generally post about what I'm writing on Twitter, um, which is just at Christy Smythe, just my first name and last name, um, all one word uh, on Twitter. Um, And then if you want to check out Smirk, my serialized memoir, which I'm kind of writing like, you know, Charles Dickens style, um, it's at smirk-book.com. Perfect. And those will both be in the show notes. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you. All right, Christina, what are you up to this week? So I'm just keep it short because it is 10.51 p.m. No, I'm I'm definitely keeping it short. Yeah, no, I'm just uh, doing some work stuff. I'm back from Chicago, had a great time, Um, you know, continuing to live my my dual phone life. I'm trying to figure out like how long I'm going to have to keep my old phone around for work related things. But Mm. yeah, that's uh, that that that's me. I'm just uh, kind of um, just just hanging. It's really smoky in Seattle. So Stay, uh, stay, stay safe out there, folks. Oh, no. That sucks. 
Uh, Brianna, what about you? I'm getting over this death virus. Uh, I, I wish a thousand years of curses on whoever <laughs> gave this to me. Uh, I wish your pets uh, to to uh, not get as many hugs, maybe, as they deserve that week. Uh, yeah, this has been miserable. Uh, other than that, I am uh, just uh, I just got my new Alien LE pinball machine, which Ooh. is amazing and awesome. There's literally nice. an alien mouth that opens up. And it grabs your pinball on the play field with this electromagnet. And then the inner jaws of the alien come and bite the pinball and retrieve it back into its mouth off the play field is just an amazing pinball machine. So that's uh, great. It is great. I'm having a lot of fun with that. Uh, we are doing a live stream over at Polygon, twitch.tv slash Polygon. Yeah, we're playing Monopoly. Woo. Nice. Um, I got the most exciting email after i wrote the blog post about how we were streaming live streaming monopoly i are opened up thimble? my email what what are you the thimble i don't know yet i don't know yet maybe i will be maybe i'll be the little dog maybe i'll, I'll probably be the race car if we're being honest i opened up my email to see an email from a hasbro representative <gasps> asking about the stream and asking if we wanted mr monopoly <gasps> to appear on it and what? we can't Honestly, because yes. of timing he oh. can't get here in time mr monopoly is too far away and the timing is too short. But I, I, I've i literally never been more excited to receive an email from a PR person in my ah, entire life. That's amazing. Um, so you won't, if you tune into our stream, you won't see Mr. Monopoly, but you will see some exciting, we have some fun uh, tricks up our sleeves when it comes to Monopoly. Are, are they still going to send you a Mr. Monopoly so he can maybe just appear on future streams for unrelated Monopoly content? They said anytime we want him in the future, we just have to let them know. Ah. That's amazing. So yeah. Uh, Christina, where can we find you online? You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams. And you can find the videos that I do at work at youtube.com slash GitHub. And Brianna? Uh, you can find me online at Brianna Wu uh, on Twitter. And also, if you want to get some of our awesome Rocket t-shirts, they're still available for a very limited time at rocket-merch.com. Heck yeah. Uh, and that's just for the bonus color, right? Uh, for all of them. What? All of them? Yes. All I of our t-shirts. I thought going to stay up forever. Uh, those are. Yes, you're right. The bonus uh, bonus one is only up for a limited time. Okay. Who you scared me. Sorry, it's 11 o'clock at night. It's okay. <laughs> um, you can find me at Twitter on Twitter and everywhere else at Doom Quasar, videos at youtube.com slash polygon, and live streams at twitch.tv slash polygon. And if you're a subscriber, stay tuned because we've got a really fun bonus segment where we continue talking to Christy Smythe. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rocket. I hope you liked it. And if you do like it, I hope you're leaving a five-star review right now. Thanks. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 <laughs>